conversations with Alaskan gardeners. All y'all gardeners, get on your conversation hats. We're going to talk about wonderful stuff today. Absolutely wonderful stuff. It's just the peak of the season right now. Golly, what a beautiful day it was driving into the radio station. It's a little hot. It's a little too hot for me. Hey, you just wait a couple hours. It's going to get really, really hot. It's hot. You'll be out there with your great big straw hat pouring water on it, I bet you. I do. That's what I do. Uh Fill the crown up with water, dump it out, and put it on my head. Because you're going to be in the hot, hot today watering at the uh, Riverview. Mm -hmm. So if you're driving around by yourselves today and you want to look at something pretty go by the capitol building and go by the riverview building out there in vintage park the hydrangeas are in bloom and they are spectacular and the ones around the capitol building i've had people coming in all week talking about just what are those things they're just beautiful and it's just the beginning of the show those hydrangeas are going to bloom for another two months and they look so cool and they take all the weather I mean, that's one of rain like heck on them that's why i also love the roseanne geranium is that they're a they're a ground cover to go with the hydrangeas. I mean, I'm sorry we're sold out for this year, but, you know, we had a hundred of them. And uh, they bloom at the same time. They both start late. They don't come until usually July. This year it was a little off because our spring was so cold. But once they start, they bloom all the way till it freezes hard. And they look so cool. They don't turn brown. They don't get funky. There's no black spot. It's amazing. And you can pick and choose some that stay white, some that turn to pink, and some that go through pink to dark red. That I mean, they're all different ter- names. Try to hold and different sizes. Since the lime mound, limelight, since limelight came out about ten years ago, that blue, that breeding program has just exploded all over the world. And there's a new one that came from France last year called Skyfall that, that only gets about knee high and, and three or four feet across. But the flowers are, uh, look, come look at them. They look spectacular. The surrounding makes it look like a bouquet. I think that the dwarf hydrangeas could be used as permanent plants in hanging baskets. I believe so, too. I think you could winter them in a shed or... You know, they could take the weather up against the foundation of your house under an eave, something like that. They can take freezing, and they will come on, and you could use them every year. Mm-hmm. And you could put, you could plant some kind of spring-blooming thing around them each springtime because they don't come on early. No. They don't even get leaves on them until late May. Well, you could do all that other kinds of, you know, biddings and, and other kinds of things along the edges to trail mm-hmm. down that would be there all season long. Yep. Which will complement it. But, you know, not having to replant your planter every year. And not having to water it every day. That's a big deal, too. The nice thing about those shrubs is, you know, they're they're a real sturdy thing. They can take a little bit of drought. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of drought. You can't let them dry out and die. But, you know, a little bit of drought, they'll... they'll It's not like a fuchsia where you have to water about every four hours in the weather like this. There you go, yes. There was a woman coming in yesterday who said that that, uh, a bird had built an a nest in her fuchsia plant and so she didn't water it while the babies were on that was sweet of her it was really sweet of her but it also meant that her fuchsia was dead good morning conversations hello is, is there someone there hello yes um i like to ask the cotton seed do the cotton come from the rose family do cottonwood come from the rose family? Are you talking about cottonwood trees that are growing around here? 
No, like um, cotton balls, you know, cotton. No, it's a whole different family. Whole different family. When you look at the flowers, they look really different. Oh, I see. That's how they tell what's in what family. You look at the flowers itself. It's not so much the shape of it as it is the flower, how it's formed, how many petals it has, and uh, what kind of shape the ovary is. That's how they decide what's in what family. But cotton's a pretty impressive plant. I don't know if you've ever grown it and seen it bloom, but it's really beautiful. Well, I've seen it bloomed, and um, and I um, someone gave me a gift of a cotton ball, and it, it was very interesting. But the reason why, because I bought some salve, and it says rosebud, and so I asked the lady. I says, "Well, what what is it?" She says, "Well, it, <laughs> she says it's from the cotton seed, but it smells." Like roses. So I bet it had the oil in the in the salve probably comes from the cottonseed because that's a really oily, oily seed. And cottonseed oil is used in a lot of stuff. But they also would take the essence of roses and uh, give it and that where the aroma would come from. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, thank you so much. My thank great you for pleasure. calling in. And I love the aroma of the roses. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Bye-bye. And, uh, okay, uh, thank you so much for calling. And that really brings up the fact that walking out into our yard this morning and looking at those big Chicago Peace roses in bloom. It's a treat. They were just beautiful. I know. Just, just beautiful. And, you know, uh, this is peak rose time right now. Uh, good morning, Conversations. Yes, uh, good morning. I have a question. Okay. And... I have uh, snow on the mountain uh, flowers on on by my rocks, but I think the grass is choking them out. So I wondered what is the best time or how to get the grass out and best time to remove the snow on the mountain and then uh, replant. I'll listen. Thank you. Okay, oh, thank ma'am. you. Well. My opinion is do it early in the spring because you want to dig your snow on the mountain up and have the root mass and then take a hose and wash all the dirt away so you can pull the grass out of it. And what survives then, make sure the grass is out of the area where you're going to replant it. Give it some new ingredient in the soil, you know, some bark or peat moss or something like that because you will have lost some of the dirt and replant it in that. What do you think, Dave? I think that, that that's really good advice. Another thing to do is if you look at the plants now, they will have seed pods on them. And we're a little late for gathering the seed, but if you look at them, the seed pods look like little string beans, and they're on a tall stalk, little tiny, maybe half-inch long string beans. And if you gather those and, and uh, let them dry and kind of rub them between your hands so the seeds get free, then in the early oh even in the early spring after you do what Margaret's suggesting, then you'll have fresh seed of the snow on the mountain, which we're talking about Aubrecia and Erebus as the snow on the mountain, and that would be and then you can add the seed to that then too. But pulling the grass out is really tough, and you're not going to be able to just pluck it off the top of the plant. You're going to have to wash the roots and pull it out from its root that's tangled in the plant. The thing about rockery plants is you 
really need to keep the grass away from them. You need to cut your grass edge back enough that it can't creep in. And, you know, grass creeps. And in a a very short period of time, will take over your rockery plants. It is. And it's really, really hard to get grass out of things like like snow on the mountain or a creeping char or any of those kind of things that are laying flat on the ground because it it is really vigorous and tenacious. And, so, and you may examine it in your mind's eye whether you want to replace it with snow on the mountain or whether you want to put something bigger there, something that can grow out, grow the grass. You know, another really good rock replant for uh, rock gardens is one called London Pride, and it's actually a large saxifrage. And uh, it's a completely different kind of plant, but it's really tough, and it can it can fight the grass much better than than snow on the mountain. Yes, you're right. That's a really good idea, and it will actually shade out grasses. Well, it will choke it out too. I mean, you Uh still have to try to keep your grass away from your rock garden, but uh, it's it's tenacious, but it's beautiful, and it's evergreen, and it has a clusters of kind of fairy pale pink fairy flowers that last about six weeks in the late spring or early summer Uh uh-huh the last ones in our yard are just losing their flowers right now we just cut them last one we just cut them all off you did okay Uh and it comes in two leaf patterns too it comes in a dark green pattern and one that has dark green with gold splashed on it but if you want to keep your snow in the summer do it in the springtime as early as you can and uh and rework the ground give it some fresh dirt cut your grass away yeah and, you and, may and, not want to do that part it. this fall cut the grass away and dig the grass out along the base of the rock work so you can not have any creep any more creep in well you know sometimes it's coming from the top of the rock work Sometimes it, comes, sometimes it comes right out of the sky, as far as I can tell. But thank okay. you for the call. You betcha. And I was talking to my friend at, the, at Tyler Rental this morning, and they have some really good deals on. And one of their good deals is an electric pressure washer. I had one on the job this week. It was just great, cleaning mm-hmm. off a patio from our, our work that we had done. Uh, even though we are neat and tidy, it's always nice to clean your job up completely when you go to leave. Right, and the electric pressure washer is on sale. It's only 120 bucks right now, and you know that's a really that's a good price on a really powerful tool. Maybe you could use it washing that ugly truck of yours. I was just thinking about using it to wash between <laughs> the rocks in the rockery and wash that stuff right out of there, wash the dirt away, be able to pluck those grasses out. Think about your automobile. Your washer. Think about your automobile. I've washed my automobile. Yeah, you've had it for what? 20 years? I washed it. Once? Once. <laughs> I know. Yes, well, it's true. I don't I don't uh, wash my car very often. But uh, if you are out there and looking around and they're thinking about, oh, I might want to do something in my yard. That's a really good buy. It's a great buy. And uh-huh. It's a great tool. And uh, the other tool that they have on special? The other tool is a concrete cutoff saw. Ooh. Same kind of thing. It's and it, uh it's what you use when you're going to cut a hole in the blacktop or in the cement. Right. And cut all, cut all that stuff off. Yep. And that's on sale also. 20 bucks off their regular price on it. Which I think, I don't know, $400, $440 about. Sounds good. So I'm going to... In- and the issue- next time you go to Tyler Rental, please buy me a couple more pairs of work gloves. They have some really nice work gloves, mm-hmm. don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you have the multi-layer work gloves, so you use the thin gloves underneath the thicker gloves... 
Well, that's later. That's in the winter time. But for right now, I just I have two right-handed gloves. <laughs> You and have, my left hand just doesn't you behave. You have bags of gloves. <laughs> uh, I'm going to issue an invitation. If people are interested, go to our website, landscapealaska.com, click on the sales button, and see our new online catalog. Our son has been helping us with this for the last year, and we, ha- we don't have any, we don't have by any means all the product available that we've got in the yard. But it's an interesting pattern, and you can see pictures and read descriptions of a lot of things, and we can send those things all over Southeast Alaska. We have a, a deal with the airlines that we can package them up and send them right out, and you'll get them the next day. It's really a, uh, a game changer for a lot of people who don't have access to a, a, a full-service kind of nursery. And a lot of places are sold out of product, and we still have quite a bit in the way of midsummer perennials and primroses and some of the midsummer perennials are black-leaved snake root which is one of the most beautiful beautiful perennials i know of it looks really pretty when you plant it with ligularia because the bright yellow and height of the ligularia and the dark leaf of the black rooted snake root and the flower is about the same height and it smells like vanilla. Oh, it's such a wonderful aroma. It is. And it, it kind of looks, the flower kind of looks like the wild bog orchid that grows around here. But big. But taller, as tall as I am. And, uh, and the leaves are such a dark purple, they look black. They, they kind of shimmer. They look black. Uh-huh. And they like it wet. So they're an ideal kind of big, shrubby perennial for our, our region here. And, and for an area where you shovel your snow... You know, that can take a lot of snow and ice on top of it. That's a great idea. (laughs) You know, they don't come up real early. That's a great idea, Margaret. I've got a few of them, Uh of those great ideas. Because people are always wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to grow things in the area where I shovel my snow? Because in the last few years, it's, it's lasted a long time. Yeah. So having something that dies underground there and comes back up in the spring, but not too early in the spring, is a great idea. And Japonica primroses are another one that do really, really well in that kind of abuse. And uh, the other one is, what's that plant I just love that I planted at the bottom of Ginger Stairs? Rogersia. Rogersia, right. That is really grown for its co- huge, colorful leaf. It's almost like a jungle plant, but it is tough here. It takes it wet, and it takes a tremendous amount of abuse, too. And you look at that plant, all you can think about is alley-oop. <laughs> yes. He's the king of the jungle jive. That's right. Look at that caveman goo. Okay, so it's a, you got your, a little bit of time for your last fertilization for your rhododendrons, your roses, your azaleas. Just a little bit of time, because you don't want to fertilize them too late in the year they'll make soft growth that will then get frozen in the winter time but you got a shot now so if you want to fertilize your rhododendrons so they have flowers next year do it now do it now don't wait a couple weeks don't do it wait now. until labor day do right. it this week make sure and you make get... sure you water it all well underneath go. the plant remember rhododendrons azaleas are real surface feeders and they have really fine fine hair-like roots and you need to wet them one day and fertilize them the next after the water's had a chance to soak into the ground and then once you water them you're going to water them i mean once you feed them you're going to feed them out at the drip line of the edge of where the leaves are that's the active root zone and 
that's where they'll receive the fertilization to set flower buds. And if you have rhododendrons that have made their growth and you're out there looking at the ends of the branches and thinking, hmm, all these are little tiny buds. I wonder which ones are going to be flowers. Don't worry. It's not time yet. They don't make their flower buds until the middle or end of September. So if you're looking at them and thinking, oh, I've got lots of green growth and I don't have any flowers, not to worry. It's still coming. I had a long talk with one of our rhododendron suppliers this last week, and he says he doesn't even approach them not knowing what kind of a bud count they're going to have until the end of September. So you're going to the Far West Show. Whoopah. The 50th anniversary of the in Portland, Oregon. Of it's the, the largest David's horticultural been, show. It's been going from the very beginning. There you go. That just says that I'm old. Well, no. <laughs> old and persistent. You, and you've made a lot of connections and you know who to do business with. And if anybody wants something special ordered, this is a time to call Dave up and say, oh, golly, that's right. Gee, I want blah, blah, blah. It's like going to Santa Claus's workshop. You know, all the new stuff is there. And the growers have, have figured out how much they're going to have available. And you can make your choices right there, right then. So we've been in Alaska 40 years. And we went to the Far West show from the very beginning. We did. And, uh, and we were young and lithe. Well, I'm still young at heart. And handsome <laughs> and beautiful and quick, long before we had chillins. So uh, talk to me about the kind of landscapes that shape your perception of what a landscape should be? Well, I, my personal belief, it's not anything anybody's ever talked about truly, it's where you come from. If you grow up in New York City and you have a streetscape, that's your idea of what a landscape is. A landscape is not just about trees and shrubs and flowers. Landscapes are what form the earth and make your society be where you function. And what makes you comfortable? And what makes you comfortable? What's familiar? And, it, and then, you know, you've heard me talk about patterning. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And so uh, that doesn't mean that just because you come from New York City that that's the only landscape you can feel comfortable in. But there will be elements in that landscape that you can transfer to your house wherever you are that can make you feel good. Maybe it's you have stairs that are like a stoop that you sit out on in the evening. Or, you know, it, it's... It, it's nuance. Uh-huh. And on the other hand, maybe that's the thing you're going to flee as rapidly as you can and you want to go someplace else as right. fast as you can. And I grew up in a landscape that was uh, based on Monet's garden with Japanese maples over a waterfall and a pond and lilies growing in the pond and huge koi fish and... Uh, 17 different types of camellias and tree peonies. I know. I was at your parents' <laughs> house many times. You know? And it was stunning. Really, and, really and stunning. And they did it, you know, I mean, they bought it like that, but then they enhanced it themselves. We didn't have gardeners. They didn't have a gardener till they, till I was old enough to do it. I was my family's gardener from the very get-go. Before I was, before I was old enough to milk the cow, I was out there with my little diggers. My mother would show me how to separate irises and dig I'm them up. I'm surprised you were that. strong enough to do that. Separating irises is a hard thing. Well, you got a sharp knife. Well, I know. I don't think I would have given my son a sharp knife. <laughs> <laughs> Before he was old enough to milk a cow? Oh, uh -huh. yes, you would. I don't know if he's even old enough to milk a cow yet. Okay, so this is a call-in show, and I'm sorry we've been blabbing so much. 800-907-586-1800. Uh, 907 
586-1800 if you want to get on before the next 10 minutes. Yeah, sometime in the next 10 minutes. And if you want to come and see me in Landscape, Alaska, I'd be thrilled. We'll be open today from from, uh, 10 o'clock till 4, and we open tomorrow from noon to 4. And uh, I tell you, this time of year, people walk in the nursery, and universally they say, this is really beautiful. It is. This is really beautiful. This is not like any other place in Juneau. It's totally private. This is, everything looks shiny and in good health, and the flowers are brilliant, and the, the our staff has done a marvelous job this year. Marvelous. It just looks grand. And, and if you are a rose lover, we do have hybrid roses that will need special care in the wintertime for wintering over, but they're in bloom now, and they are beautiful. Yeah, they really are. And and the aroma of the roses permeates the whole yard, right? which is just perfect. I love that part. And I really like it. I hate to say it. I really like it in the late afternoon when everybody's gone. Sure. And the sun comes in from the side, and all the shadows get different. And it starts to get a little cooler. Oh, man. Is it lovely. And the the... Little tiny breezes make everything kind of flutter just a little bit. We've been lucky this summer that we've had breeze. Because it has been grand. It, the bugs haven't been too bad. So back to the landscape that shapes you. One of the most spectacular landscapes that I've seen since I moved to Southeast is going to Cake and looking out over the Cake long, slow, low tidal reach out there to those islands. And, the, and man, that was that has. That image has never left my mind. It's just so pretty. I know. We were so lucky we got to go work there. And it was calm. How calm it gets when the ocean gets low. It felt so mild. Yeah. It was beautiful. Thanks for that show, Cake. That was wonderful. We had a great time. Uh, If you have apple trees in your yard, go out and look at them now and make sure you thin them. You want to make sure that in the clusters of apples, there's only one apple left in each spot. Because if you put, if you just leave it like it is, sometimes there'll be three or four apples together. They'll press together. You need to look at our apples again. Because that did. one tree right there has a lot of apples on it. That one columnar tree that we have near the front door of the greenhouse. I saw six just in the very top of it. Well, I did thin elastic, but I don't think but I But they're getting bigger. One. You know what I mean? Yep. They're getting bigger, too. And, and now yep. they're... And these columnar apple trees are something else. It's a kind of a, a club-like looking apple tree. It doesn't have that, that grace and shape that a traditional apple tree has. But it, it fits it's in a small. tiny space. Yeah. And it grows beautiful apples. And the apples grow right out of the trunk. You've got to come and look at them and see them. It's such a beautiful, odd kind of a thing. And our, this is the future. Our bush cherries put on a lot of growth this year, Boy, too. Boy, didn't they, though? Uh, and and uh, our gooseberries are just loaded with berries. If you've not had gooseberries before, this is a real treat. Um, they are still sour. They're not ripe yet. It'll probably be another month before they're sweet. But boy, you look at these plants, and they've got 50 fruit on them in a, in a two-gallon can. And you know that if you put them in the ground, it'll just explode into growth, and the next year you'll have huge numbers. And the thing I love about the gooseberry is all you have to do is pick them, wash them, throw them in a plastic bag, and put them in your freezer. And they're there for you to use for cooking your wild game and all kinds of piquantic accents to things that you make in the wintertime. So Margaret and her crew have been working in a yard that we planted 25 or 30 years ago. 20, I think. And uh, 
when we planted it, we had uh, T.W. Hall set large stones, really large stones in this terrace area going down to the lake. And then we planted it with little shrubs, little rhododendrons and little spireas and little azaleas. And it was, it was beautiful. But now, 25 years later, you couldn't see the rocks. You couldn't see anything there. And she's been exposing them again and pruning the stuff back. And the garden looks, it looks young again. Well, and you can see the lake because it was so thick that when you sat on the terrace, which is lovely, you had to get down on another level in order to see the water. Now you can see between the shrubs and see the water. Yep, it's really, really a big difference. So that brings to mind a phrase that has has resonated for me. When people come in and they say, I've got this thing in my yard. and <laughs> This thing. This thing, you know, whether it's a lilac, a rose bush, a Japanese maple, or, it's a thing, some kind of a thing. And it's been uh, misshapen, it's been sickly, it's been mistreated, it's, I've had it for five years, and I worry so much about it. And I think to myself... You know, you're not really a hospital. You do this stuff to have a landscape, to have an enjoyable landscape. You don't do it so that it really worries you. There's no moral value in having ugly things in your yard. I think it's because they don't know what to do, David. You know, and they want, they need instruction on pruning and what they can do to take out what they don't need to have and give it time for it to rebound back because in a few short years there's going to be new growth and filling That's it really in the thing. and take, shaping it up uh, you don't you have really to can. Get, you can take care of it and and bring it back into nice shape but you got to be you know active you well you have to think look at it and worry well it's because they've you know where do you go to learn about pruning you know, you have to learn about how to well, prune. There, different, there are different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I think you're being too critical. <laughs> and uh, people get attached, attached to plants. And so mm-hmm. they need instruction. And maybe it's getting time for you to give a pruning class. Time for another you one. No, that's not a bad idea. Okay. We have all those damaged arborvitas from the wintertime. We could bring those up and show people how to prune those. This has been a common thing. I've been to so many yards in the last month where the arborvitas were really damaged this winter. I looked at one this last week where the, these plants were 10 feet tall and they were dead down to about 3 feet. The whole top, brown. You could touch it anywhere and the leaves would fall off it. You know, so, but, but it could be brought back. You're right. It's worth the gambles to see. Mm-hmm. But you worth- have to do it. Right, you can't just look at it and worry. (laughs) Although, that is the instant response. I want to look at it and worry. I think our show's coming to an end. Okay, uh, come see me at Landscape Alaska. I'll show you these new hydrangeas. Uh, When Queen Elizabeth had her 75th celebration. No, her celebration for 70 years of being queen. They planted a million trees. They started five years before then and started planting trees. And planting trees is a good way to help combat global warming. We have some trees you ought to look at. You know those those ones that are in the governor's yard that are the 20-foot tall lilacs, the Japanese lilacs? We've got some that are just finishing their flowering phase now. They are really cool. Right, but whether it's trees from Landscape Alaska or trees from anywhere else, just okay. just plant trees. You're right. And we looked at those little memorial, those... Uh, Restoration trees being planted by Jordan, Jordan Creek, Creek today. Yep. Great. Good job, you guys. Thanks a lot. Okay, so uh, we'll talk to you next week.
We're about out of here now. This is Margaret and Dave from Landscape Alaska. Go ahead and look at our website at our new sales pattern, and we'll see you next week. And until then, happy gardening.